Hello, everyone, and welcome to Petite to Queen's Claim Your Career Crown podcast. I'm your host, Lynn, and today I'm joined by our special guest, Kim Curtis. Today, we are going to be talking about why your relationship with money is driven from the inside. I'm going to let you know about Kim. She is a nationally recognized wealth management advisor, speaker, president, and CEO of Wealth Legacy Institute. She is a best-selling author of Money Secrets, Keys to Smart Investing, which is published by the Financial Literary Press and Retirement Secrets. Her groundbreaking work is developing a highly personal client-centric planning model and has been recognized in the Journal of Practical Estate Planning and winning the Editor's Choice Award. Woohoo! All right, let's celebrate that. <laughs> Kim has spoken on leadership, negotiations, and finance to organizations as diverse as West Point, Oracle, EPA, University of Colorado Hospital, Comcast, Level 3, CenturyLink, Otterbox, Johnson & Johnson, and AAUW. And oh my gosh, the list goes on. We're going to stop there. <laughs> Please. Thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> and Kim has been profiled on NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, CW, and the Wall Street Journal. So Kim, my goodness, it is such an honor and privilege to have you here today. Thank you and welcome to the show. Thanks, Lynn. Glad, really glad to be here. Well, we are thrilled to hear from you. And for those of you who are tuning in and joining us for that very first time, Make sure you don't miss a single episode by subscribing to Claim Your Career Crown wherever you get your podcasts. And while I'm on the subject, if you love the show and you love what we're doing, please leave us a five-star review. We would very much appreciate it. Huh, so big breath, Kim. I really mm. would love to dive in and sort of hear how, what inspired you to get started in financial planning. <laughs> That's a big, big, big question. Uh, it certainly was not my my choice when I was younger. What what you little girl says? I want to work with money, right? Um, my actual my background is actually a legal background. Um, I went to the University of Denver College of Law and have a background in negotiation, mediation, arbitration, and mo opened up. Uh, I, the headquarters was in New York City that I reported to, and I. Uh, at a certain point in time, moved up in the organization and no longer was making a difference where I was in the heart of the matter, where I was uh, doing settlement conferences or I was, I became a spokesperson. And so I did a career shift uh, where I had a friend that was in human resources, put me through a battery of tests. We all know what those may have been and what came up was financial planning. And I thought, no problem. I could knock that out of the park in three to five years. And then that five years happened. And it's like, Ooh, not quite five years. Okay, five to seven. And it truly was, if I were to really be honest with myself, seven to 10 years before I really figured out that I had a handle on this and that I could do it well. So uh, that's my story. Well, that's <laughs> well, that's inspirational, though, that how you then looked at where you're at and where you wanted to go. And so when you're working and with your clients, because that's exactly what you're doing, where are they at? You know, where do they want to go? Um, I'm sure that you have a specific process, especially when it comes from this perspective that relationships with money 
your relationship or your client's relationships with money, all of our relationships with money mm-hmm. are driven from inside of us. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So, so true. I'll start with myself. Uh, personally, uh, I was terrible with money uh, growing up. My parents got divorced when I was 14. And my mother had full custody of three teenage girls, 12, 14, and 16, with full custody and no employable skills. So uh, she applied for, and I received government-assisted lunch. So I had to, every day, hand this little red ticket to a cashier that was extremely shameful and embarrassing and um, unworthiness surrounding that whole story. Uh, But she did have one thing, and that was uh, with her three daughters, to make sure you get your education because no one can take it away from you. Right. So I did. And right after I finished law school, defaulted on my school loans. So when I'm talking about the internal relationship with money, let me tell you, if I can do it, everyone has access to the ability to change their relationship with money. And it's a complicated relationship. I mean, if you think about my story and you think about how you, Lynn, showed up around money and the stories that you were told around money, when I think of my mom and her story, her mom told her to have a little stash set aside for at a separate place for the just-in-case. And that just-in-case was not to start a business or an investment opportunity. That was for safety and protection, right. not empowerment and wealth. So there are several things as to how we unpack that. When I think of relationship with money being complicated instead of being confident, I think of the very first thing is, is did your family talk about money? What were those first money stories that you remember? They may not even have talked about money, right? There was not even a conversation. And then you wonder why do we not, why do we ignore money today? So I really think it starts with, with what were the conversations in the family? Uh, Did you have them? And were they shameful or were they positive? And quite frankly, Lynn, it may not even be your parents. We show up around money that could be generations before us. It could be your great grandpa who was a tightwad around money and all of a sudden it shows up in your dad or you and you're wondering where does this come from? So the shame that and that we're not enough or the unworthiness that comes around money for many of us, particularly me, that with my story, um, actually to unpack that and see where else did that exist in the family tree that I'm aware of. Now, obviously, my story was real, so I'm very real about shame, uh, but I think that's really the starting place. And when you think about women, we talked about my mom, but we didn't really have the rights and opportunities available to men. And I think that women, especially after the pandemic, we're really the ones most affected yeah. uh, in a negative way by, by uh, school closures and um, childcare that many of them left work or lost their jobs. And so how do we show up with this new game plan if we were disproportionately affected by the pandemic? We already were coming from behind. So what are the things that we can do to be better around money? Yeah. No, I, and I'm really interested with, how you approach this with your clients and, you know, do you take them through a process? How do you start this conversation? Because this seems to be so integral to being able to find, to help them move forward and to find the right solution. We, we actually call it humanographics okay. and it's called humanity on a graph. And that's actually what won that editor's choice award in the journal of practical estate planning. 
Um, so we plot out family structure, you know, a square for a guy, a circle for a woman. And we plot it out up and down as it relates to your generational tree. And then we add questions around that as it unfolds. So not only do we plot the structure, but then we add conversations of what when was what was your first money story? Did you get an allowance? What were the occupations of your parents, grandparents, great grandparents? Where did they come from? Who was the first to get educated? And what as those questions um, evolve, the values start to get clearer, and also the we start to unpack some of the money stories that existed in that in that family structure. Because as practitioners, we could design, we could eliminate or defer taxes, create the investment portfolio, do all this great work. But if you or the family is not capable of handling the structures we create, we've done harm. And so in the nature of our work, we absolutely have to know where your starting point is around money. And Humanographics is one of several tools that we use to get a better understanding. Yeah. I mean, this is very intriguing. So I'm I'm curious, you know, because you just touched on that, what can hold people back mm-hmm. or even uh, disrupt their progress in the sense of, you know, their story around money, of uh, being able to recognize it, to be able to use it and transform it into a proactive tool. Do you know, um, it, it's, I was on this call uh, with a woman and she was like, she's not a, a woman entrepreneur. And she's like, you know, I just need money. <laughs> and like, who doesn't, right? We all want to say that. And I said, Bonnie, money, you don't need money. Money needs you. And that was a pause for her. Like, what does that mean first? And, and where I took that was money is actually looking for you, not the other way around. When we say we need money, that's exactly what will happen. You will continue to need money because money, if you think about it, is really, we created it. It's energy. It's, it's whatever you give it. It needs your ideas. It needs your vision. It needs your values to turn it into something remarkable. And so if we continue to approach it, that it's not for us or that's for other people or that it's dirty or whatever that story is that you may have t- shared with yourself, um, it will continue to be that if you understand it as it's this invisible thread that allows for us to exchange between each other and create goods and services and jobs and opportunity, then all of it, and we use it for good, all of a sudden money can be really fun and not this overwhelmingly visceral emotional response that makes us feel nauseous sometimes for many. <laughs> well, you definitely have touched on a few things that will hold people back. And um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm just, once again, that I really want to dive in one more time, but the process and you talk about the mapping everything yeah, yeah. for people that you work with, of, you know, when do you see that sort of aha moment when they sort of have seen that, oh my gosh, I have been doing this and that pivot where I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, I I will share a story for myself. And then I think it may be able to resonate with others. Um, When I defaulted on my school loans, I actually had an anonymous person put a thousand dollars on my school loan debt. And the fact that I even opened my bills 
to notice that that occurred was in itself remarkable because I had my head in the sand. One of the things we say is how you do money is how you do life. If your head is in the sand on money, it is in other areas of your life. So the fact that I happened to open up that, that, the bill and see that uh, was really remarkable because what happened is that act, that gift was acknowledgement that like, what did they believe in me? And I had to pause because it was anonymous. So I couldn't go and ask or say, oh, no, not for me. Uh, I don't deserve it. No, I had to deal with it myself. And what, what I realized is what I asked myself is, why would they believe in me when I don't believe in myself? So I had to really think about what is it that I'm telling myself that is not giving me the self-love or the self-respect that I need to have to take on this conversation around money. And I have to tell you, Lynn, it was like that. It was a snap. Because if you think about like neuroscience, we have receptors all over our body <laughs> that are sig- tra- like giving us signals, even up with the sunlight as it relates to these receptors on our body. And the receptors really tell us that money really is looking for us because I just said that we have an emotion. Re- we react to it. That's emotional and it's visceral. And so you know what your response to money is immediately. Because some of you may be judging me like, that's really weird. That's, you know, like, what is she talking about? Uh, and, and dismiss it. And some of you who are listening may go, may go, you know what? There may be something here that I could really learn from and get out of debt. Or, you know what? This is such an interesting conversation that's so different than what I've heard of. What if maybe there's something that she's saying that could set me free from the bondage, so to speak, of money? Right. And if you ask yourself, I really was doing that, you already start to know that you have these things. So I think the very first step to answer your question is really what story are you telling yourself? And do you give yourself enough self-respect? Starts with that, which then goes to self-love. To then be able to have joy and peace around the energy of money. So I, I, I can also share, if you want me to, I don't want to go down too far on this, but <laughs> there's a client and her name was Anne, And she said, I want a million dollars in 10 years so I could retire and live and do the things I love. A few years into her 10 years, she had saved, invested a little bit, but she wasn't getting very far. And she was like, okay, it doesn't look like I'm going to get a million dollars in my 10 year timeframe. But if I could live my life to do the things that I loved, what would that look like? And so she started to do some of the things that would allow her to relax and do the things she loved. But when she started, when she did that, she kept getting interrupted and different things in her life would, would um, interrupt her from doing the things that she wanted to do. So she wanted to relax and do the things she loved. So she always got interrupted. And then she realized I'll never get to my million dollars. I'll not to mention, I already gave that up, but, but to be able to have self, you know, to be able to, to do what I love and relax. And then she realized I have to have boundaries around my time. I have to have self-respect and self-love to make sure that this is important to me and not all these other obligations from other people. And she did. She started to create these boundaries and what she, she used to write when she was younger, she started writing. And then she started to write more and more and recognized that she was good at it. (laughs) And believe it or not, Lynn, she ended up becoming a best-selling author and made more money than she could have even dreamed or imagined way beyond her initial thought of wanting to have a million in 10 years. 
I hope that's helpful. Do you think that is? No, the I listeners? mean, absolutely. And I definitely think it's helpful for everyone on that other point of, you know, having those boundaries. And when you set those goals, um, and how do you, how do you help manage your time? And I know that there's a pretty simple thing that I do for, um, me is I actually block time in my calendar every day, um, that I'll, you know, it's literally, I'll just say, you know, you know, research Lynn. You know, it isn't, you know, and it's whatever I want to spend my time on working on, but that way my calendar can't be, otherwise my calendar could be literally full from 7am to to 7pm at night if I want to be, you know, first of all, I don't let people book me that much, but Mm -hmm. I block chunks of time out and I do that purposely because it gives me time to process what I'm working on, to actually work on projects. to do other things when I know that I'm going to be having something that's um, like, you know, me time or family time. Once again, I block it in my calendar. It is off the table. It's not available. Yeah. So when you think about how do we change the relationship from conflicted or complicated to confident, it really starts out with you. Yeah. We, we already know that. We already know that, which is why we hate it, because it's like, ugh, once again, back to me. Um, but if you understood what some of those stories are that you're telling yourself and why aren't you giving yourself the self-respect to carve out that time to do the things that will make allow you to relax and do what you love, that's the first. And, and do the humanographics chart go back and forth as to what are the stories or the conversations that are in your family that allow for that? And then, and then what is your dream and your goal. I mean, think about how many of us don't give that to ourselves because it's too busy with our children because we're thinking about educating our children or taking care of our aging parent and we're the last or taking care of our spouse or mate. We're the last on that list. But if you were to really think, what is it financially that I really want that's important to me, me personally, and give yourself permission to go after it? That's the second. Yeah. And and then the third would really be sir, you know, start talking about money. Have a discussion about it and make it be a normal thing that versus something that's awkward or inappropriate. Cuz all it is is energy like we said earlier. So start talking about it. Talk about it with your children, adult children, your your young children. Talk about it with your girlfriends. Talk about it so that it's a conversation that we all share. We talk about sex more than we do money. <laughs> Yes, it is one of those topics that for whatever reason has this taboo around it and that impacts us negatively in many ways. And I mm-hmm. love this because this was really, you really unpacked like what should listeners do next? Although I still want to ask you because, mm-hmm. you know, when you think about it for that day, um, mm-hmm. I like to think of it that everyone is tuning in. You have the choice. You have a choice right now to dive in and think about your money mindset to think of how that impacts you, how it impacts your family, mm-hmm. you know, how it impacts your business. And uh, so I'm curious with that, that prompt, Kim, uh, what would you do next? What would you recommend our listeners do next, either today, tomorrow, or next yeah. week? Start, <laughs> start, uh, 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 look up get your head out of the sand and start and level up your game around money and start that it's only you and you're the only one 
that could make a difference, not relying on a spouse, not relying on a mate, uh, but for you to be empowered around money and confident. I mean, back in the day for women, spending was the ultimate, you know, you know, that was the ultimate opportunity is our spending. You know, that's when we felt totally in control. <laughs> and if we change that more to investing and and to ha- as business women, that we go after that career, that we negotiate that raise, that we take that position on that board seat, that you are smart enough, that you are enough, that you deserve it, that your voice matters. All of those things that we've been socially conditioned in this country not to, to be more quiet, like I talked about my mom, uh, to go after those things. I, I, I think that that not trusting ourselves and to and to believe and then to start, I think, is the number one number yeah. one place. And to understand that money is really looking for you. It's looking for your ideas and your vision and your beliefs and your goals to turn it into something remarkable. Yeah. Well, that's absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much, Kim. And I really appreciate your coming on today and sharing why your relationship with money is driven from the inside. And I know that our listeners are going to want to know more about you and where they can find you. Yes. WealthLegacyInstitute.com is our website. And then at financialliteracypress.com, we have that free gift plan that we talked about, which is the 10 laws of money that every investor should know. All right. That's absolutely perfect. Both of those links are going to be right down below so that Kim is one click away along with all of her other wonderful backlinks and social links. So you can get connected And I want to thank Kim for being here. This has been such an informative discussion. And to everyone who tuned in, thank you so much. We really appreciate your being here. And we know that sometimes you have ideas that you may want to share. So please leave us a comment below. We love hearing your thoughts. And if you have a topic that you would like to suggest or a specific question, you can email us at jointheconversation at petite.com to queen.com. And of course, to stay current on all of our amazing opportunities that we provide, our insightful advice, our breakthrough advantages, and incredible episodes like the one today with Kim, you can sign up for our weekly wisdoms newsletter at petite2queen.com. And once again, thank you everyone for tuning in. And Kim, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Lynn.